each Sunday night. Streamline. I'd yeah. watch them practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, again, Keith Marnie. In two hours, Mike and Neglio. Better talk fast. If only Jorge sent us a 12-paragraph segment to do. I know. And we're going to do it. We love it. Hell yeah, we're going to do it. This dude pays for the show. (laughs) Almost (laughs) single-handedly. Yes, uh, you heard us. We have a hard out, so we're going to talk really slow and then really, really We're updated, baby. Windows 11. And welcome again, because we had to start over because I was snap, crackle, popping uh, to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my old buddy Mike discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season seven, episode 13, Character Evidence. Uh, I'm not even going to do my little joke because we have so much to talk about very quickly in under 30 seconds. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, I want to say my Thanksgiving turned out to be not at all uh, what I had feared on the last podcast. I just went to my mm-hmm. sister's house. All of her in-laws were in like great Thanksgiving moods. We 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 laughed. We told stories. We watched a bunch of YouTube clips. My sister made a great meal. I didn't have to go to my brother's. He went to his in-law's. Uh, my mom was there. It was a great. It was a great day, Keith. How about you? Uh, we had a lovely time. Uh, we went um, just with uh, Jillian's family, and uh, had a very sort of relaxed couple of days down there in Cape May, um, where we spent many many episodes were broadcast from the studio mm-hmm. in Cape May. We took uh, we took Charlie, who did a little bit better this time. Good. I think he's he now sort of like, oh yeah, I've been here. Yeah, I get it. I know this thing. So he. He owned the house a little more quickly this time, so we're hoping this will bode well for uh, traveling up to my folks for Christmas. Um, and you know, the thing that I think is most stressful is taking him in the car. Yeah. Um, but did you try like the hemp he, uh, chews we talked about? Uh, uh, we haven't tried that, but we we very well may because it is a it's a long ride. Although the the ride home, he was like, all right, and just like hung out and looked out the window. So hopefully, uh, this will continue did he, was um, he just so, free roam or did he was he in a carrying case uh i get uh, he's in a case to get him into the car and then i i let him sort of free roam but most of the time he spent in the case just sitting on my lap cool um so you know he took a nap so it, it really it really was not as terrible as i expected it to be so uh because the only thing i care about is not stressing him out so i'm trying to figure out because he's such a social guy he wants to be with us whether it's worse to take him or leave him and and have somebody check in, it's it's a tough call. It's a tough call, and of course, all of his feelings were just uh, just you know making up because he, he's a cat. He doesn't really have the feelings that yeah, we that we do. But nonetheless, uh, speaking of feelings, I think it's uh, I ought to uh, we gotta say something. We lost a titan of uh, musical theater this uh, this week. And, uh, of course, that was Stephen Sondheim, 
And uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, everybody here has a lot, has plenty to say about uh, Stephen Sondheim, and there's no, there's no point in like adding a lot to it that other people haven't said. Um, but uh, we had, uh, let me just, let me just pull it up because uh, I think it was very interesting. None other than Cameron Mannheim had uh, had a story to tell about Mr. Sondheim, um, who, uh, you know, I'll just say very briefly, I think Sondheim will go down in history as the Mozart of our century. Um, you know, and they're, they're like a couple uh, throughout, you know, the 20th century. And, you know, Bernstein maybe, John Williams maybe, but, but Sondheim for sure um, is there. So here's something that, that Cameron wrote that I thought was an interesting story. In 1990, I was a reader for Stephen Sondheim when he was casting the Merrily We Roll Along for Arena Stage. For two glorious weeks, I got, this is Cameron Mannheim, I got to be in the rehearsal room with him as a parade of incredibly talented actors came in and sung their hearts out. It was life-changing. After my first week of reading with the amazing actors, he, Stephen Sondheim, turned to me and asked if I could sing. I told him that I could. And then he turned to the casting director and said, let's call Cameron's agent and have her come in next week for the audition and audition for Mary. I remember being simultaneously overjoyed, then suddenly panic stricken with all the courage I could muster. I said, excuse me, Mr. Sondheim, but I don't have an agent. Maybe you could just call me and we could set up an audition. There was a moment of silence. The kind when your entire career flashes before you and you think, I'm never going to work in this town again because I don't have an agent, Stephen Sondheim turned to the casting director and said, can we get Cameron an agent and, and then call them and set up an appointment for next week? And two days later, I had an agent. I didn't get the role of Mary, but that honor went to the sublime Becky Ann Baker, but I felt like I got something even better. Three years after I graduated with my MFA, with a snap of a finger... I finally had an agent. Thank you, Mr. Sondheim, for all the gifts you've given me. There's a special place in my heart I reserve just for you. It's an amazing story. It is. I want to, I just, everyone who might be listening, listen, there's so much to say. I'm not qualified to say it. Uh, But I I am chagrined a little bit, chagrined, because, um, you know, people often take this opportunity to pay tribute Everybody in my time timeline was paying tribute to Sondheim, and, and yeah. often tribute becomes humble brag to talk about right. the, the Sondheim show you did and how great you were and all that stuff. And and that uh, really, really fits is a bad look. People don't recognize what a bad look that is. Um, this is how you right. do it, Cameron. And once again, a masterclass in how you do it. It's about the person. It's not about you. This is a story about her, yes, but it's about the the kindness of the man. And I think that that's. You know, people are like, I hope we see some of his work that maybe he was working on when he passed away. And I think that what, because people want our great, it's like Billy Joel, sorry to make a weird comparison, but people are like, when you, when's he going to re- release a new record? And we have to accept that people who create an artist in general move to different phases. And I think Sondheim kind of moved away from, maybe not moved away, but found a joy in uh, what he else he could offer to artists and people doing his productions and his presence and his coaching and and his advice, I think, became a passion of his later in life. So it's not about just what's the next thing from a creator. You know, yeah. it's, it's also about what they offer. And, and reading a lot of the stories from things that he offered, his kindness and um, what I loved about him, his storytelling, was that it wasn't always about 
find the greatest singer, find the the biggest voice. It was about mm-hmm. it was always focused on telling the story. Um, always, always. Yeah. Uh, you know, even to the the sacrifice of melody at times. You know what I mean? Sondheim isn't isn't always the catchiest of things because it, his his focus was the, the storytelling, and I think that for a for a for a art form and a uh, a practice that is often ruled by ego um to keep the focus on the story and the storytelling i think is a lesson that we should all learn yeah yeah and uh i have nothing to humble brag about i never met him um sadly uh but i know so many people you know not not the famous people not the people who did his shows but people who reached out to him that he was very kind and very generous uh with his time and i think that is you know, something to to go along. He wasn't just a genius. By all accounts, he was a good man, and I think that that is uh, really, really something. And there's 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 nothing to rival his geniosity. But uh, I the, all all the all the stories about the people who didn't become famous that he reached out to and and kept in contact with is pretty impressive. All right, well, let us move forward because we have a hard out. Mm-hmm. Tick 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 tick. Kids, we have a hard out. Let us go straight into... Okay, so uh, we have heard from our moderator, Phoenix Cage, who is settling into Portland very nicely. He wanted to know how our Thanksgivings went. We did that. He seems to have had a nice one. And he had this to say about last episode. Now, we just finished the two-episode Alfre Woodard arc. And he says... There was one thing that kept taking me out of this episode, a legal and logical plot hole. Eleanor seemed to be taking the convoluted path to keep her client from being executed, because in the process, everyone agreed that the woman was sane on her medications, and they also agreed that off them she was, and I apologize for the medical jargon, completely batshit cuckoo for Coco Puffs crazy. So having established that, how can they even continue to discuss her case without implicitly admitting that the original verdict of her being sane at the time of the murders should be immediately tossed out? This would not only have been easier and more straightforward for Eleanor to argue, it would have also potentially provided a better outcome than life in prison. I just couldn't buy it as this impossibly hard win that the show makes it out to be when it seems... uh, when it seems like any first-year public defender could have beaten it before it even got to that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, of course. Um, I, I completely agree with that. That's obvious. Although I, I think if I were to retcon it in my head, and I imagine this probably would have happened, and, if, and they probably should have just said it outright, that this would have been the first appeal. And, you know, by the time we've gotten to this point, by the time you get executed, you've gone through 17 different rounds of appeals. And I would imagine this had already been appealed, already been been thrown out, and therefore was not on the table for Eleanor to argue. Because um, you can only argue each line of appeal once. So I would imagine that's probably what happened. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. It's It's... And I didn't even give it that much thought. You know, it's the suspension of disbelief here is that I assume that that was already tried and failed, and thus we're where we were at. This is a last resort because all other resorts have been explored. So, well, and and, and also as we see in real life, especially in these death penalty cases, um, these 
injustices, the obvious things that should be thrown out and aren't are rampant in our mm-hmm. system. It is not unrealistic that this would that she would still be on death row despite the obviousness of this, you know, I mean look at it Texas, you have people who are mentally compromised they're executing. So clearly uh it is obvious to you and me and the phoenix and anybody with a brain and a heart that uh what they're doing is completely unacceptable. <laughs> but uh But as we found in this country, assuming that everyone has both a brain and a heart is is a completely batshit cuckoo puffs assumption. Yeah, 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 it sure is. What's next? Is that all of our filings? All right, we, we have, have a few. no, we have a second opinion. Oh, okay. On that same case now from hear Jorge. This. I, I don't, I you know, because I don't read these ahead of time, I don't know if he's agreeing or not, but let's find out. Okay. He says, the Alfre Woodard two-parter has stuck with me since the original airing, both because of her acting, but also because it planted the seeds of my fascination on the debate of crazy versus insane in a court of law. Interesting. It is. It does. There's some overlap there. I wanted to share some of the things I've recently learned about it, but I warn you, it effectively, effectively shits all over the writing of this episode. Or does it? So, as it turns out, insane is one of those terms that's thrown around so often it gets misused, like literally, ironically, and plan B, I'm looking at you, Mike. We all say insane <laughs> to mean mentally ill, but in the world of medicine, using it is an almost outdated, it is almost as outdated and pejorative as hysteria. In a court of law, however, insanity does have a very specific definition. It's a defense that explains why someone was suffering from a mental illness should not be held legally responsible for their actions. You knew that. But did you know that the, a doctor cannot diagnose a de- defendant as either sane or insane, even less say so on the stand? It's strictly a legal question. And the only ones who can decide that are judges and or jurors after listening to the mental health specialists offer their reports and evaluations of the defendants. Some states even separate the trial into phases. The question of did they, didn't they comes first, and only if they're found guilty do they have a sanity phase to ask, well, are they nuts or not, or something less offensive. As the definition itself, it too varies from state to state, but one thing it does not ask is, does this person have a mental illness? It assumes the person does. The question is, did the illness prevent the person from knowing right or wrong? Or at a minimum, did the illness prevent them from appreciating the consequences of their actions? So, for example, somebody saying, I killed that couple because my demon dog told me to, is a good indication that they have a mental condition. But it doesn't answer, why did you listen to your demon dog when you know killing is wrong? Now, we drew distinctions between the words, it's time to do it again. Because another word gets thrown around into the interchangeable mix along with insanity, and that's incompetent. When we hear competent to stand trial, it's another legal question, which also assumes the person is suffering from a mental illness. But whereas insanity goes to their state of mind in the past, aka during the crimes, competency is asking about the present. Can this person participate in their own defense, or is this illness preventing them from being able to make sound decisions during their criminal proceedings? Again, this can only be decided by the judge and jury. So, what about the executioner, you ask? First, first, let me discuss this episode a bit. What I found most frustrating watching it this time around was that David E. Kelly clearly didn't do his homework. At the time the show aired, New Hampshire did 
have a death penalty. However, they hadn't executed anyone since 1939, nor have they since the show aired. Although I think they did address that. Update, it abolished capital punishment two years ago. Not only that, out of out of seven reasons one couldn't uh, could have been found guilty of capital murder in that state, none of them applied to what she did. To spare the list, they all involved either killing a victim, uh, either the victim being a law enforcer or the murder happening along with another crime. Her killings, her killing two kids was not a capital crime, even if one of them did have that thing. Deep cringe. Ultimately, I know that this was all backstory. The heart of the episode had nothing to do with whether or uh, had to do with whether someone was mentally ill but competent should have been put to death for a crime they committed while legally sane. So I did the research. It turns out these two episodes are based off a real case. How do I know this? Because I came across it while writing this, and the similarities are uncanny. 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 Was it? That that's the end of the filing and subpoena. So stay tuned. That See, he knows is, a tease. He knows a tease. Oh, he sure does. Uh, that's a uh, very very cool. All right, that's really good information. And yes, uh, so that it sounds is, to me like Keith, like our high rating is is a bit undercut because it's under assault because we didn't weren't critical enough of. The, the plot device, which I guess is a, is a valid criticism. Um, I do think that our, our we enjoyed the storytelling, which is what I think we tried to express, maybe more than the, I can't, we can't really, I guess we, a note noted, let's say that. Noted. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting, you know, the logic of it all, well, and I think this is frequently true of any sort of storytelling, once you do the research, the logic of it all can break down a little bit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but storytelling is, it's not a documentary. It's about the human emotions of it all. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's, it's all very interesting. I, I'm going to have to think about it. Guys, I'm going to have to think, but uh, we have uh, some very interesting and very well articulated and thought out points of view, and uh, Mike... If folks would like to join this conversation, how would they do that? Guys, it's very easy. You can see right down mm. here at the bottom of our screen, there are a couple ways to contact us. As uh, Jorge has done, you can write us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. As Phoenix shows you every week, you can just comment on the YouTube video right mm-hmm. here. Moderator Phoenix Cage is uh, all set up in his new digs with his new roommate waiting to interact with you on the YouTube. And of course, you can check us out on the old person social media with the hashtag olds. Uh, we're out of practice podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. Yes, indeed. So guess what? There's more in our spookiest segment. Back in So, folks, we mentioned last week that we were going to talk about the Lacey Peterson case t- today. But you know what? Mike hasn't finished his homework and hasn't finished not. watching the series. Uh, and, you know, guess what? It was the holidays. Cut him, cut him some slack, okay? There's a, we have well, to do a lot that, of prep work. Keith, I got lost in the eight hours of Beatles documentary that is on Disney Plus called Get Back. Uh, oh. 
We're not doing more TV. No, Stop I'm just talking. saying I watched six of the eight <laughs> hours, so that took up a lot of my watching time. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, so clearly you like the Beatles more than you like Jorge. No, just, that's, I, that's just probably saying. a fair assumption. <laughs> All right, well, guess what? Because Jorge has another contribution this week with a an amazing back-in-time true crime. Amazing, I guess, because I haven't read it yet. So here we go. On June 1st, 1979, I know, I know, just trust me, in Hamburg, Arkansas, a grocery store worker named Mary Lou York was stabbed to death during a robbery. Within five months, 20-year-old Charles Singleton was convicted of felony murder and sentenced to death. Note, a Netflix documentary called The Phantom has this very same premise, except that in it, it's unclear whether they identified the right person. In this case, a witness named Patty saw Charles Singleton go inside the, inside the store where her friend, the victim, worked. Moments later, they heard Patty, uh, this Patty heard her friend, the victim, inside the store scream, Patty, go get help, Charles Singleton is trying to kill me. That's very specific. One more thing, friend of the victim, Patty, also happens to be Charles Singleton's cousin. So... Singleton was scheduled to be executed in 1982, but after exhausting all his appeals, he was able to argue for reasons reasons for deserving a new trial before the Arkansas Supreme Court. They did not grant him a new trial, but they did stay his execution sentenced him to life in prison with no chance of parole. Now, at the time of the murder, Singleton had episodes of delusion and rage, but seemed okay. For the most part. Over the years, he got significantly worse and was eventually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. He was described as delusional as he expressed his belief that he'd been freed by the Eighth Circuit Court and the U.S. Supreme Court. Sounds like Trump. Things got so bad that in 1990, he didn't say that, I said that, <laughs> when the Supreme Court ruled prisons were allowed to force medicate their inmates, boy did they. However, once he got better, the state decided to reinstate his execution. And so, more appeals were filed. The case was very controversial. One side argued if Singleton is artificially made to be competent, then the situation is an oxymoron. The other side contended, I do not feel he is being medicated in order to be put to death. He's being medicated to keep him healthy, to control him. Meanwhile, one of his doctors explained Singleton still experienced many of his symptoms while medicated. Mm. It would be very difficult to ensure that the prisoner was truly free of the effects of his psychosis and able to meet the standards of competency at the exact moment of his execution. Case in point, in 2001, while medicated, Singleton wrote to the Court of Appeals declaring he did not believe the victim, Mary Lou York, was dead. She is somewhere on this earth waiting for me her groom. So then, what did the judges decide? The decision was split, but ultimately it was Judge Heaney who put it best. I conclude that a drug-induced sanity is not the same as true sanity. Singleton is not cured, his insanity is merely muted, at times, by a powerful drug he is forced to take. Underneath this mask of stability, he remains insane. They granted him another stay of execution. Any celebration, however, was short-lived. The state appealed again, forcing the appeals court to take another look at the case one last time and make a final decision. And then they made that ruling. On February 10th, 2003, the very date this episode uh, of the episode you're about to cover 
which means part two of Alfre Woodard case episode came exactly one week before they had to decide. So now I ask you guys, what do you think? Was David E. Kelly merely inspired by the case and overlooked the plot holes to make it so similar? Was it a coincidence? Or was he purposefully using the show to voice his opinion right before the judges got to make theirs? And if so, did it work? Let's see. As to the decision, the Eighth, Courts, uh, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that, as it stands, a prisoner is eligible for execution as long as they understand why they are being put to death. Furthermore, mentally ill prisoners can still be forced to take their antipsychotic medication, even if doing so makes them eligible for execution. And so the stay of execution was lifted. Charles Singleton was scheduled to undergo lethal injection on January 6, 2004. Throughout those 11 months, he made one more plea to the U.S. Supreme Court, but they declined to hear the case. After that, he told his lawyer not to pursue the matter any further. But... In true Eleanor Frutt move, his lawyer took a final shot anyway. On the day of the execution, requesting clemency from then-governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. Jesus. Wow, I'm sure that went well. Yeah, one guess how that went. On the night of his murder or execution, Singleton, Singleton's final meal included two double soy burgers, fried eggplant, fried green tomatoes, and two milkshakes. Charles Singleton was pronounced dead at 8.06 p.m. In hindsight, it seems his belief that he would be freed by the Eighth Circuit Court and the Supreme Court was indeed delusional, stemming from his own mental illness. The end. Jorge, that was depressing. Uh, I will say, you know, to answer Jorge's question in a nutshell and quickly because, because. Um, Hard out. I think it's a combination. I think he obviously was giving his opinion. I'm sure he was aware of the case that the, that this was modeled after. But I think, it, you know, to to put it, albeit flippantly, to put it to put it briefly, I think sometimes a matter is so complicated, that and our our justice system is so has so many specific rules that and differing opinions that that uh, steer the ship so to speak. But when you even do a remote peek, the episode just does a little peek under the curtain and even listening to the real life uh, case, what it breaks down to is a MacGyver, a MacGyver thing. There's so many gummy bears and popsicle sticks piecing this the people's lives through the justice system together that it's a farce. It, it's an absolute farce. To, to, to believe that there's any semblance of actual sense in our death penalty system is a joke. It's it. There's no sense. It's all bullshit. It's smoke and mirrors, and it's held up by uh, gummy bears and weird rulings and random shit. None of it makes any sense. To try to find sense in it is 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 completely absurd. Well, it's held up by people wanting to kill people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you I know, know, and and at this point, because it's become so politicized, it's not even a moral question anymore. Now it's a political question, where it's just like I. Just because the libs don't like it, we're going to execute as many people as possible is kind of where we're at right now, which is kind of grim. And I find that, like, well, this is a huge conversation. So I, I find the, the quagmire we are in politically is that we have a whole segment of, of, of politicians and judges who do not want judges in any level of the court system to be, uh, to be making policy. 
right? To be using precedent to make policy. And then there's a whole nother chunk of people who want just that, who are appointing judges in order to change policy, right? To establish new precedent and new policy. So those two forces fighting against one another uh, does not lend itself to uh, progressive uh, movement. Well, but also the those forces are are inherently hypocritical. Correct. Because the people who don't want judges making policy just don't want the other side's judges making the policy. It's not a like yeah. the 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 intellectual architecture of the argument has broken down entirely, mm-hmm. and now it's just I want to win, and uh, and so I'll take both sides of the same argument as long to win. Anyway, blah 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 blah. We don't have time. There's no time. Uh, but Jorge, that was all. Fantastic. Yeah, well done. Thank you so much for all of that. Uh, I'm very grateful. That's all incredibly well written, incredibly well articulated. Sorry for reading it, Uh, but much much appreciated. Let us now move forward in back in time to the date this episode aired, and that is February 10th, 2003. Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. I'm doing another jumble. As you'll recall, as I've said many times, I'm all out of whack. So I'm going back in time a little bit further uh, to back uh, 2001. This week, this Thanksgiving week here in 2021, uh, saw the release of the movie starring Andrew Garfield of Tick, Tick, Boom. One of the first solo adventures I went on in my when I moved to New York City back in 2001 in uh, October, winter of 2001, uh, was I... Made my trip from the Upper West Side, where I was nice and, and getting comfortable on what the one and nine trains could do. Well, I decided to go all the way down to the, I believe it was, uh, what theater was it? Uh, let's get some, oh shoot, what was it? Keep talking, I'll find what theater No, no, it it's right here, I'm sure. Uh, Jane Street. I made my way all the way down to Jane Street, which if you just moved to New York City and you're trying to go from the Upper West Side to, the, to Jane Street is like trying to fly to Mars. It is Oh my god, it's like the on the it's like on the moon. But it's let me tell you as a f- huge fan of Rent, uh I was absolutely mesmerized. It was my first time seeing Ra- Raul Esparza blow the mm-hmm. doors off someplace. Uh Jerry Dixon, who I would actually audition for years later. That's a funny twist of the universe. And um I remember catching Amy Spanger outside the stage door because I was uh just totally, I actually wanted to meet all of them, but Amy came out first, and it was freezing cold, so I only sh- chatted with her, and she was so lovely. Um, uh, the show absolutely blew my mind, and I said to myself, one day I'm gonna do that show. And what's cool is if I flash forward my 29th birthday, if you know Tick to Boom at all, it's about turning 30. On my 29th birthday turning 30, I was doing Tick Tick Boom in Florida, just so happened it all worked out, um, as a benefit for uh, the American Cancer Society. And what was super cool about that is that uh, one of the best uh, rehearsal shots ever taken that air was in Backstage Magazine. Uh, oh, look at that. Yeah, I thought it was so cool. I looked so uh, so badass. Anyway, that was a really amazing production. I so much, loved it so much that I actually got a tattoo um, to remind myself of that day. So Tick, Tick, wow. Boom, if you can see the movie... Uh, you should check it out. It's on Netflix now, streaming, and that is uh, my This Day in the Basement. Keith, talk to me. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Yeah, so I you know, went back into the emails, and uh, 
what was going on was we are, as I've mentioned, sort of speaking of tick, tick, boom, we are in the run up to uh, the Iraq war. Mm. And uh, this was uh, this week. Uh, it was the, the Sunday or the Saturday before this. But uh, Colin Powell made his famous speech uh, before the U.N., Talking about the uncontrovertible, uncontrovertible slam dunk evidence of all of the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Uh, spoiler alert. Eh, nope. Mm. Uh, but that was our pretext to the war. And my whole family was emailing back and forth, uh, expressing our frustrations and our uh, desire that he, you know, not go into a war. Uh, so that's what was happening there. A uh, lot of opinions there, there. I can, I can tell you, long paragraphs from every family member, all dismantling the reasons to do this. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what was going on, both in the real world and in the fake world. Now let us zoom out into the real world and our fake interpretation of it. That that is the worst segue that's wow, ever happened. Let's just go to it. Let, here we go. Ah, forget it's it. time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, there it is. We were listening to All I Have, which by J-Lo featuring LL Cool. Jay, the top movie was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, uh, which took in $23 million. And the cover of the Burlington Free Press, of course, the headline was Blix Wants More Time. And if you're paying attention, uh, back in 2003, Hans Martin Blix was the UN inspector going into Iraq looking for those weapons of mass destruction. And as we were tick, tick, booming, and the, that train was going no matter what anything happened, he's saying, I'm not seeing any. I need some more time to look. We're like, fuck you. We're going to blow up a country. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's what happened in real life. As uh, depressing as that may be, let's talk about something far less depressing. The crowd-pleasing segment. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for sports. Sports. You the Boston Bruins <laughs> played, uh, dropped a game to the Penguins, 5-2, to two, and guess what? I've got a clip of the end of the Bruins-Penguins game, which was, uh, which was really fun, even though we lost. Let's take a look if Mike can get the OPS. There we go. We are at the very, it's the last minute, but you know what? It's the big bad Bruins wearing their yellow jammies. Uh, we're going to lose, but you know what? We're going to punch you in the face before punchy, we do. Punchy. Lots of, and this was the uh, the PJ Stock days. He was so much fun. Uh, those uniforms were terrible, the, the yellow jammies, but it was really fun to watch us play back then because we liked to do this. We weren't great at hockey, but we were really good at punching. That's Wayne Primo, Keith Primo's Ooh, brother. Just punching. Oh. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of punching. That's not even the PJ stock fight. So uh, everybody enjoy the yes, there's PJ there. So much fun. Uh, that's uh you know, there's not as much of that in the game today, and it makes me very sad. because uh, apparently I like concussions. So <laughs> which actually don't happen that much in the fights, as you would think. Alright, folks. 
It's time! I'm a human being, god damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Alright, hey, we got there! Hard out or not, it still takes us 35 minutes, but we're here! <laughs> we are talking about Season 7, Episode 13, Character Evidence. This episode was written, of course, by David E. Kelly. And directed by veteran director Jeannot Soir, who last directed Bad to Worse, which leaves us with only one thing to do, and that is ask the eternal, important, profoundly important question. Uh, I think... What you know, does I, Mike think's gonna <laughs> happen? Where is it? Well, you know, what I think's gonna happen, guys, uh, is mm. we're gonna see the stunning return of Rebecca... Uh, to a case all her mm. own. Um, and this week is a flippy, Keith, because it doesn't, it's not going to jump the shark. It's actually going to revitalize the show because Ooh. Rebecca's going to get an amazing case. It's going to unjump the shark. In fact, it's going to go under, it's wow. going to limbo under a shark. Ooh. Um, in order to, she's going to have a case where, you ready What's for it? What's the case it? about? Yeah. It's a case about an old friend of hers. All right, an old friend from college, Rebecca's mm -hmm. college days, which we haven't heard yeah. much about, so we're gonna get some character building. And right. uh, she's gonna know that this this person didn't commit these crimes because it was a roommate of hers. And so she's gonna have to pull oh. out a whole bunch of old friends uh, uh, and 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 to, to dig up some character evidence on this uh, client to show what a great, great person her roommate was. And we're gonna find, it's gonna be just a, a trip down memory lane. We learn all kinds of stuff about Rebecca and wow. her, her days coming up. Wow, I really like the concept of your episode. Uh, Thanks. Uh, something tells me I couldn't be more wrong. Let's find out if that's what happens. Uh, and now it is time. If you're watching this on the YouTubes, Phoenix, because you're the only one, uh, it is now time to hop over to your podcasting service of choice and listen to us, listen to the episode, and uh, we will be back here for the world's fastest oopsies. Season 7, episode 13, Character. Evidence. Yeah. But fast. It's a dark and stormy night. It's a good way to start. Jimmy's pulling up and to a house. Nice house. I didn't know who else to call. Oh my god! <laughs> Jimmy's old friend who's crying. Not person even remotely related to Rebecca? Not at all remote related to Rebecca, but it might be related to a certain David Arquette. It's Rosanna Arquette, who is an Emmy nom uh, Emmy nominee for Executioner's Song. You know her from Pulp Fiction, The Whole Nine Yards, and Desperately Search Seeking Susan. Desperately Seeking the end of that sentence. Uh, Ray Donovan <laughs> and the L word. That's not going to work, Charlie. Go in another way. Okay. Was that? Let's. That's it. That's oh, it. Let's okay. find out what happens. Go in trouble. Okay, settle down. I was I talking to my cat, to but in the tone of our show. I had wine, and it was raining. What and happened? I, I just hit the accelerator. Oh, and all then right, sit down. Slow down. And just tell me what happened. Oh, start from the beginning. I was driving home from work. It was raining, and I... 
I usually park in my driveway, you know, wow, but since really it was raining, I... I frantic whoa. cuts back and forth, close-ups. Oh, we got... Here's Keith's favorite. Oh, 90s flashback in black and white. Oh, her garage door isn't working. Oh, it's so sad. It's so black and white. So black and white. Oh, no, just a guy in her garage. Oh, she panicked Keith. She run him down. She ran him over. Oops, she thought she was in reverse. You hit him? Yes, it was a reflex. I saw the gun and then I just hit the accelerator. Where is he now? In the garage. He's dead. Yeah, Did you definitely. call the police? No. What? I just called you. I first thought get him to Don't a talk hospital. To the police. I was trying to get him into the car. But I could more see flashbacks, that he was more black dead. and white. We don't trust that. We understand what she's saying, so we have to see it. I had some wine before I left work. I was drinking, girl. Not a lot, but... Are you sure he's dead? Although I have to say, this I never understand this decision any of these characters make when in a scenario like this. I get, I panicked, I freaked out, I just killed somebody. It was life and death. I get it. Sure. Totally get it. Sure. But in the moments after that, you have to... I would assume I would have the remote ability to critically think a little bit, in which case I'd be like... Listen, I have a lot of options right here. Dragging him into my own car to go then go dispose of the body or whatnot, or just hold on to it, seems to be a decision mm -hmm. I would probably, at least, at the very least, as I'm driving to Jimmy's house, would be regretting. Mike and Deglio, cool under pressure after having murdered somebody. Man, I'm not saying cool. I'm just saying I'd be like, hmm, what should I do? Should I should I call 911? Should I go tell my neighbor that I just hit somebody with my car who was trying to shoot me in my garage? Or should I just like drag this heavy body, put it in my car, and drive to Jimmy's house? Mike and Deglio, talking confidently as Wait, if almost from experience. The, the garage, I guess. This Yet is way too she much made that decision that. to drag the body but left the gun in the garage. So Jimmy's going to the house. This a lot of good decisions being made right now. Jimmy's going into the garage. There's a, a dead, dead guy in the back of the car. <laughs> Keith, remember that limbo under the shark? Well, that shark fell <laughs> on top of us. It's always my gut that sticks on, Jimmy. The, uh, on the limbo bar. Look at that dead body. He doesn't even get a line. He's just he, That's a $400 buyout right there, folks. He's going for it. He's dead. Yeah, he's dead. He's pretty dead. Okay. Well, we have a... Uh, it's 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 not Rebecca yet. You never know. She could come in riding a shark yeah, at he, any moment. It could still be that that guy was Rebecca's college roommate. <laughs> right? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We Maybe do he's know. being tried for murder. Does, uh, does being dead exonerate you or at least... Uh, I would say, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I would say that yeah. that might be top top five in all of the practice thus far. Dead body acting. <laughs> I would say, in fact, you, you, I'm ready to thought, hand out the oopsie now. I, I'm, I'm curious what your criteria for good dead body acting is other open than mouth, motionlessness. Open mouth, mm -hmm. open eyes, no movement. Hmm. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I'm gonna get dry. You need to moisten between takes. Get in the car. Maybe that's her first one instinct was to get him to a hospital. Then she realized he was dead and called the police. After she called you. Sorry. Well, you Why is the rain so loud? The police, so I'm assuming she called you first. Yeah. It's a dark and stormy she night. You called me. 
It's very loud rain. And that you could barely hear the dialogue. They were like, "Did we get they'll any other takes of the dialogue?" No. In a few minutes. Then they'll come in to look around. At least he called the cops. You okay? Is there any chance you could stay here tonight? Absolutely. I am so freaked. Because, Keith, no matter how much we develop Jimmy's character, there's one thing that will always be true. Yeah. He just a fat squirrel trying to get a nut. I need this to be in complete confidence, okay? Not that you, uh... God. That wasn't offensive, right? Take it easy. I don't think okay. that we have a lot of squirrel um, listeners. How do I even start? Um, Did you just body shame that squirrel, Margie Mike? and I have been having some problems at home. Since when? Some of it is, uh, sexual. Ooh. Well, more and on that, like let's introduce him. It's another big guest star. Wow. Guy who said yes, even though his first line was, I got a limp D. Yes, indeed. It's Mark Moses, who you would know from Homeland, Mad Men, Desperate Housewives, The Last Ship, and Platoon. Way back when in Platoon. Uh, another actor who's uh, pretty high profile now. Suffering from... Acting erectile dysfunction. Yeah, well, he's having trouble getting the squirrel up. I don't know if it's related Can't to the squirrel up the tree. Look, 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 it's not just limp, it's also unsatisfying. Anyway, I read this ridiculous article. I, I put no stock in it, but I read that men, not transvestites, but regular heterosexual well, that didn't men, age well. can sometimes find stimulation in wearing women's clothes. My secretary, Paula. She works out after work and, and All right, Steve, I want you to give a look. Office, not quite judgy, clothes. but it's like really judgy. Well, last night I Yeah, I yeah. Paul yeah, you just like make a face that jeans. won't age well? And I uh I put it on. You what? I don't know what came over me. I, I just wanted to see if it all And then I put my shirt back on over it since you know, I didn't want to be seen. God forbid someone on the crew. He likes then a I bra. Got back into my work, sure. which you know how enmeshed I get in it. I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. You forgot about it. I went home. I, I took off my shirt in the bedroom, and Margie sees me wearing a bra. She flipped. She flipped. She thinks I'm having some kinky thing with Paula. She calls Paula, tells her I'm wearing her bra. Now my wife wants to leave me. Paula's suing me for sexual harassment. So basically, sounds she like an everyday Barney episode. I think so. I mean, Jimmy, I mean, like seriously, like thus far, the only thing he's done wrong is take somebody else's bra. Yeah, he stole a bra. It's about it. And you know, and and of course, in the context of it being your employee, like it's, I I don't I you know I have a hard time I I. I yeah, I mean, I, I guess from the standpoint of being an employee and the invasion of privacy. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, as far as him wearing the bra, who gives the, I don't give the tiniest shit about that. Hi, David. David, Kelly, are you there? Yeah. Hi, this is. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yes, I'm here. Yeah. Yes. Hi, this is Janet from yeah. HR. I just wanted Hi, to Janet. let you know, Um, I've got 2021 on the phone. Apparently they oh. say drop the B story. Oh, oh, drop the B story. And, and why why would that be? It um, seems pretty they just, topical. They're just saying it's it's going to be a bad look. 
Oh, are are you, are you saying that like I'm gonna I'm just gonna sort of like miss uh miss the boat here and sort of like emphasize the wrong things and 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 misinterpret this whole situation? Yeah, I don't know. They don't they don't pay me enough to critically think. I'm just letting you know the calls here. And they also said transvestites, not a word that they use anymore. Oh, oh, is it not? No, um, but uh, I'll patch them through. Okay, good, good. I I almost admitted. What do we know about the Insanely offensive joke. Names and I, Gerald I didn't. I'm very Has proud of myself. Drug history. And what's your relationship with her? Sorry? Brenda Miller. What's your relationship with her? Old friend. I was buddies with a big brother. I was kind of like a surrogate big brother. We also banged. Jimmy. Oh, shit. What's the matter? How soon before the police did you get there last night? I don't know. Not too much sooner. Why? You wouldn't be a witness of any kind, would you? I'm not a witness to anything except what I told you. What's going on? The man your client ran over in her garage, he had a bullet in his back. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> Maybe his gun went off when she hit him. The bullet didn't She's match the gun we found in the garage. And Jimmy, the gun is registered to your client. Jimmy got a story right Why before me? she let her because bang Because I suspect him. they're going Wait, to exploit this as gender discrimination. I want a woman lawyer second chair to prohibit... Well, I'm not going to do anything. Your presence will be doing something. That's why I want you there. Am I allowed to talk? If you have something to contribute... No, Jamie, you're just a prop. Could I ask why you're leaving? I mean, what young litigator wouldn't want to be at Goodwin? Well, it wasn't exactly a great match Ladies for me. and gentlemen... We present the sea story. The sea story, and while we're doing it, let's introduce this impossibly attractive person sitting in, uh, in Lindsay's office. I, I'll Keith spare you the Lindsay. bumper. I forgot Lindsay. Look, I've been talking for a long time, but folks, it's Kyler Lee, uh, from Grey's Anatomy, Supergirl, that 80s show, The Flash, and not another teen movie. I have something else to say about her, but no spoilers. So, why? Why well, I was uh, sort of encouraged to leave. You were fired? She's wearing a neckerchief. I don't like the word fired, as, as accurate as it may be. Hmm. They're very pleased with my work. You could check my references. It wasn't my work. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to point out, though I am not a fashion expert, that is not just a random choice by the costuming department. It's way too mm -hmm. distracting, this like choker thing, which means there's some weird subplot with it, like she's a vampire or she's got a hickey or something, or somebody from the law firm gave her a hickey or something. Mike calls it now. What okay. It, we need a Mike calls it now button. I became ill on a partner. She uh, puked on somebody. In a deposition, I have a... Uh, Vasovagal problem triggered by anxiety it manifests on extremely rare occasion, but it did so in projectile form on a senior partner. Once. <laughs> and you were discharged. They didn't believe I had the stomach to be a litigator, since so Lindsay's it hiring a few times before, but they were wrong. It was all about breathing, which I have learned to do. Well, y your transcript is, is great. But I, I am looking for someone with a little bit more experience and... Uh, but I'll let you know. Bodily okay. continence. Sure. So it's a no, but I'll call you until you know again in a couple of days. Yeah. He was shot. Yes. By whom? Well, we don't know. Did you notice him bleeding at all, or? 
happened so fast. After I hit him, I, I, I noticed he was bleeding, but I just thought that... Brenda, the gun they found in the garage... It's yours. It was registered to you. This is where I keep it. He must have found it. So somebody shot this man, he entered your house, retrieved your gun, and you ran him over. Brenda, everything you've told me so far, it's the truth. Of course it's the no, truth. No, Jimmy, Jimmy it's what's bullshit. going on? I don't know, but this isn't making sense. The police want to talk to you. I'm inclined to let you talk if everything you said is the truth. If it isn't, that's something different. Brenda, come clean with me. Tell me what really happened. Well, I killed that guy. <laughs> I yeah, hit him bit. in the street somewhere near my work. It was pouring rain, I could barely see. And so suddenly he was just in front of my car. I could barely hit my brake. So keep So we're we getting another black and white flashback here. Right, which means I think uh, didn't we didn't we have a hypothesis at one point that if it's in black and white, that means that it is not to be trusted, but if it's an if it's a color flashback, that means that's how it actually happened. I think that's what we surmised. I, you know, that was exactly what I was going to bring up, and I thought, I thought we had surmised that if it's in black and white, it's the truth. No, I think it was because the opposite I don't of that. Remember, people had had lied in flashbacks, but well, maybe not a lie, thus, but just how they're remembering it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, because I I'd, I'd always I guess in my head I had the idea that the flashbacks were subjective or or objective, not subjective. But here we There's are. There's definitely an episode where we where we discuss this, and I'm pretty sure we we came out where I just said. But I there's only one person who really knows, and that's Jorge. That's Jorge, resident oh. historian. Jorge, uh, what the hell were we talking about? What what, what do we mean? Oh boy, Mike, uh, Mike lost the episode. Oh, wait, I think this is it now. Yeah. Oh oh, you're good. Good. I... I didn't have my cell phone. I, I, there was nothing around. I, I, I was in the middle of nowhere. And I tried to get him in my car, figuring I could get him to a hospital. But then I could see that he was already dead. And I so I drove him to my garage? And I panicked. So you brought him home? I figured I could. I don't know. Jimmy, I was... Tell me what your smell test saying about things this. Things did not make sense. So I came into my room and I got my gun. This and lie I put seems it in the garage. Worse than the last one. So I'd be able to say that there was a man with a gun. It was the only thing I could think of. And then I Here's the message: better. Don't be a liar unless you're good at it. He the first lie. Shot. It was dumb because they're gonna know he got he shot. Was running from somebody when he ran in front of my car. She's not as cool after having murdered know. somebody as Mike and Daglio is. I don't know. That's I N D E G. <laughs> he has a lot of cameras set up in his room, in his uh, apartment, almost oh, as if he's boy. trying to prove something. It's the morning after, and Jim. Well, Jimmy's pants are on, so he's he's pretty good there. They've fallen asleep on the couch. I, I don't. This always happens in movies and TV. I have never oh, accidentally so fallen asleep at somebody's house. In my life, I have never done that. Oh, if it's a a woman you're sort of into, then I could see the fake out, but at some point you're like, all right, if we're going to sleep, then I I'm going to see myself out. Yeah, or just 
Uh, wait, Jimmy's I, hand just is moving. It doesn't happen by accident. If it's Jimmy's if it's hand a... is moving, he's gonna caress her. She's asleep. Don't caress without consent. Oh, he's caressing creepily. No, he t he he decided against it. Wait, he's going back he, in. He brushed some hair. Oh, is he gonna go back? He's gonna go back for seconds. He's gonna oh, do he's it. Touching. Oh, he's touching. She's awake. Uh, and he's out. That was. What time is it? That was a weird scene. Seven o'clock. Well, I mean, look, we we know Jimmy is making decisions with little hey. Jimmy. With with the uh, with the full Berluti. I also love that Basically, they both woke up the after same sleeping all night before, in crisp, except she hit him in the freshly ironed clothing and make full makeup. Full My question face. is, do I let her say this to the police? You do if you're nuts. Sometimes the cover-up can be worse than the crime. She's already committed the cover-up, Jimmy. If this new version gets out, she'll be charged with vehicular manslaughter, no question. Well, I disagree. I think there is a question. If this guy was shot and chased in front of her car, then it is not vehicular manslaughter. The prospect of the police believing that... Look, forensics is going to figure out what happened anyway. But there's no reason to help them. Come on. If this woman hit and killed a man and then drove him back to her garage, She's going to be prosecuted, especially if she was drinking. I agree. There's no way you let her talk to the police. It's an extremely regrettable event. And I assure you, we fully appreciate the sensitivity of the situation. Mm. Yes. Was it in the spirit of this sensitivity that you sued him? Well, it's in that spirit that we've refrained from filing the claim in the hopes that we can work this out amicably. Paula is, of course, devastated that Litigation her employer would endeavor to wear her undergarments. Obviously, a trust has been shattered. I suspect, Mr. Wright, you have a number. We do. Might you tell me the number? Mm -hmm. No, I will write it on a little piece of paper, as I always do, and slide it across the desk to you. Yep, there we go. Gotta do it cool, man. Gotta do it cool. Where do we get these little notebooks? Oh, I keep little note notebooks. Five hundred thousand dollars. It's funny. very difficult, of course, to quantify emotional pain. But you've managed. Injuries like products find their market value. For this particular infraction, five hundred thousand dollars. A jury could easily award more with unwanted exposure. By the way, I'm sure your attorney would agree our number does not shock the conscience. Do you have a conscience, Paula? Henry. My client is always open to morality sermons if he wants to give one. We were to agree. You did steal her bra, dude. We assume it would embrace yeah. a complete confidentiality agreement. Absolutely. As I've said from the onset, we fully understand the sensitivity of the situation. Yes. You're sweet. It's one of those times where I'm not Let sure us... to the end of business tomorrow. What are we commenting Let's on Let's introduce here? this guy. Hold on. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so this lawyer is played by Carmen Argenziano. From the accused Broken Arrow and Stargate SG-1, but, uh, guess what? He was Gilbert in the principal. Gilbert in the Pursuit of Dignity! We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone different, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Who 
should we hire for this role? Oh, not that guy again, Ziano. <laughs> Boo. Meanwhile, the victim here is played by Carrie Carney. And Kyler Lee's back. Call. She's got I another did? neck thing well, on. Well, you said you Oh, maybe she wears that and, to make uh, her not... Since no news is so often good news, I guess... Hmm, that'd be an I was interesting supposition. Oh. It wouldn't. I didn't get the job. No, girl. No. You puked on somebody's face. Would you mind telling me who did? I haven't hired yet. Oh, well, so it could be anybody. Just not me. She is impossibly attractive. Yeah. Well, thank you for considering me. There are a lot of incredibly young, incredibly attractive I, lawyers who walk through these I, doors. Who don't get hired yet. So she's not going to talk to us. Well, I decided to be the overprotective attorney. Come on, Helen. What lawyer lets his client talk, innocent or not? And yours is innocent. Yes. Could you tell us why she had a gun? Personal protection. She lives alone, wants to be safe. Mitrovich is back. See, there's a couple of things that confuse us, Jimmy. Like if he'd been shot, he'd be bleeding. He was supposedly inside her house, yet we found no blood in her house. Or in the garage, for that matter. Did she clean it up? Don't know. Jimmy, it seems the body was dragged in the direction from the car to the wall, back to the car. Now, what would explain that? Don't know. Okay. Have your client here within an hour, or we pick her up. Why? We want to trace Metaler, see if she's fired a gun recently. Bullet didn't match her gun. Well, maybe she has another one. Maybe she's a really big believer in personal protection. Look, my client is innocent. Why is this attracting the attention of two DAs? Because you have our curiosity peaked. Jimmy, within an hour. Jimmy. But I, I didn't shoot any gun. Then a trace metal is good. It'll pretty much show that. You really didn't. Jimmy, I'm telling you the truth. Great. Then we let them do the test. It's not a problem. Okay. Awkward silence. Jimmy. This morning you were kind of caressing my face. What was? I was just comforting you because, you know. Jimmy, How have you learned ever... nothing from Bobby's kink no, no. with Black Widows? Never mind what. <laughs> That's true. I always got the feeling that you kind of liked me. A beautiful kitchen. How come you never asked me out? Were you interested in going out with me? No, but your raging heart on this morning gave me there you the go. impression that That's maybe... That's why I never asked. I was interested for a while, but then I got a little nervous. But then I heard you were nervous. a defense attorney, and I About got what? really interested. Mm. Maybe you were in love with me? Calm down. I was 16, 17. I didn't even know what love was. Were you? Yes. Jimmy was in the friend zone, but Are she would have gone there? for it? But then I met a Head judge feelings? who gave me an erection from across the Not room. Not that. No. Mm. Then why this morning? Why? I, I was just comforting you. 
I said this already. Yo, she is you zing him. Oh, yeah. We should get to the police station. Okay. There's a show out there called Puppetry of the Penis, and that's that's what's happening now. Mm -hmm. Although, if there are two people on this planet who can... Uh, identify with the friend zone. I think they have a podcast, and okay. you're listening oh to it. Oh my! <laughs> Done. Negative. Satisfied. Jimmy. Friend zone would like everything. Just let me talk to Mike, her. She'd love the to ladies talk, with a I career. Yeah, I think no I'm friend zone with my own career. We my wife. Positively rule her out. <laughs> you can rule her out now. We're done. I like you and everything. Yeah, yeah, you're fun to hang out with. Yeah, you're welcome to just kind of stay in the office. So is it really over? Let's hope so. They've got no real evidence that it didn't happen like you said it did. Except all of that evidence. Even though what I told them wasn't exactly the truth. My legal advice on that, Brenda, don't tell anybody. Jimmy. Not your family, your shrink, your clergy. This is boyfriend. bad advice. Actually, it's good advice. You got a Morally boyfriend? bad. No. He's fishing about a boyfriend. Jimmy. Now's not the time. Circle Actually, back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Once Helen has come with you at another case. Thank you. No problem. What's with the triumphant scoring, though? Is Jimmy gonna score? So you Nailed it! Because he's gonna limbo under that black widow. Believe it or not, I can sell some property if... Uh... Tell me what to do. I think you should let me fight this, Henry. But if this should get out, my dignity. What happens to your dignity if you roll over? Look, go home. Talk to Margie. Let me deal with this lawsuit. My life is over, isn't it? Go be with your wife, Henry. You're gonna fight this? Eugene, the guy's a vice president of a brokerage firm. Meaning? Meaning, if this gets out, win or lose, he loses. Jamie, sometimes principle has to matter. Principle. May I volunteer something on principle? Go right ahead. On principle, I object to being put on a case as window dressing. It's demeaning. Is that right? Yes. I'm second chairing as a token woman, and I find it offensive. Well, maybe I put you on this case to learn, to get experience. What am I supposed to be learning? The meeting's at 9 a.m. Be on time. Eugene's like, I've been used as a token many a time, so let's, uh, let's relax in our slacks, Jax. For sure. Although I'm really in. curious, like, what Brenda, is the principle he thinks admit. he's going to stand on here? This is... This is very strange for me. Why? Look, the thing is, being your lawyer, I got ethical rules to follow, and... Like, you know all the rules of ethics you've broken in the past couple days by, you know, killing that guy and lying about it a bunch? I don't... Oh, yeah. you're kissing me. Oh, and you're kissing me. Okay. Don't care. Don't care anymore. That's so hard. Oh, it's pretty hard. 
Oh, the full Berloni. Oops. Cut to somebody's at the door. Yes, I'm looking for a Brenda Miller. Ah, I see I found her. Who are you? I'll get to that. At first, who's he? Just let him in the door? Wait, hold on. What? I'm her lawyer. Wow. I bet she could definitely use... Wait, wait. Why did they just let him in? That's craziness. I mean, if you could, out of central casting, dirtball who's violent, that's who was at the door, and we just, okay, Jimmy, let him in. All right, well, well, you know what? It's perfect time. Guy that Mike thinks is a violent dirtball. And also one hell of a cock blocker. Is, <laughs> the real offense, the real offense here. <laughs> Guys, it's Mark Pellegrino who, again, the guest stars in this episode are extraordinary, who you would know as playing Lucifer on Supernatural. He was also in Capote, Mulholland Drive, Lost, Dexter, and The Big Lebowski. Oh, Jimmy's thirsty? Big guest stars. You might as well have a Pellegrino. Right, Brenda? Nasty Stupid? weather that was the other night right? driving. It comes in a blue bottle, yeah? Who are you? My name is Herrick Smoltz. You killed my Don't brother. Let the shabby appearance <laughs> deceive you underneath. I'm a piece of crap. Of course, I'd never run somebody over. I was walking on Temple. I saw you hit that guy, and then drag him into the car and drive away. How? I followed you. Oh, he followed us. So for hundred thousand dollars. How did he follow her? He was on foot. She was in a car. That's extortion. He's very yeah, tall. Well, Long I'll take legs. My chances. Mm. $100,000. i tell you what. I'll come back. I'll make contact with you tomorrow. You can say nay or yay. Okay. That seems reasonable. hundred grand? I mean, not for murder. I mean, she's got the money. Look at that house. You have to it's sign this NDA, That's though. expensive. You've got to sign an NDA. Definitely. You okay? I guess. You just let me do all the talking, okay? They're here. Show them in. Hello. I apologize for being slightly late. I pride myself on being punctual. That's all right. Uh, would you like some coffee or water? It's very kind of you, but uh, I think we're fine. <sighs> this guy totally thinks he's about to get 100 grand. Eugene's sliding a big piece of paper. What's this? That's the counterclaim we're prepared to file an answer to your complaint. It alleges intentional infliction of emotional distress. It names you personally, Mr. Wright, as well as Paula. There's also account for abuse of process. These claims aren't tenable. Oh, but they are, Mr. Wright. You attempted to extort this man. You not only recognized the damage your lawsuit would do to his career, you played it like a trump card. This woman didn't go to a counselor or a therapist. She didn't seek treatment for emotional upset. She went to the Yellow Pages. Don't take me lightly, Mr. Young, simply because I advertise. I take hey, Keith, you as seriously as I do personally. No, I hear the episode no, You're a dishonorable lawyer. Okay. You reflect poorly on all attorneys, poorly on me. I don't like that. You're also incompetent. You counseled your client to commit an offense more actionable than the one committed against her. You can't possibly be willing to Not take this sure to this court is to aging well. The first thing I'll do is bring a motion to recuse you, which will be successful since you're now a named party. Imagine. 
Uh, I'm going to real quick reboot my Motu here. Uh, Keith, talk to the fine people. Actually, that won't help. That's going to ruin everything. You know what? We're just going to go with it. Okay. Win or lose, this case will end up costing you money, Mr. Wright. Money. Can I say it one more time? Money. You don't scare me. Here's your out. $10,000 and she gets to keep her job working for a different executive. All conditioned on confidentiality. This is a windfall for both of you. The offer is good till the end of business today. Now get out before I bait a hook with you. There we go. I'm not stalking you, I promise. Kyler's back. I realize I'm not getting the job. But Wait, she doesn't have a neckerchief on now. Could I just work here for three weeks, no salary? After which I promise to leave. I will not ask you to reconsider. I just need a place to call home for three weeks. Then off I go. You're befuddled. Totally appropriate. Here's the thing. I have one client, one case my firm let me keep since they considered it a dog. I'm suing a town for sponsoring soccer. You don't need to tell me how ridiculous it is, I've been told. Just assume, for the sake of argument, that the neurological data backs me up. Heading a soccer ball does damage to young brains. I'm in court next week on summary judgment. My, my goal is to survive that, then try to settle. And this is where I need you. You beat a tobacco company. You even helped an airline win their Arab-free fly rule. You have kind of a rep as a giant slayer. And my feeling is, if I'm prosecuting this claim with you, Flattery then that'll at least give the defendants some pause, which, trust me, right now they are not getting. Three weeks, no salary, I'm gone. Can I help you? I'm here to see Jimmy. Brenda, in here. This is where she wants to borrow 100 Gs. I've decided I just can't take the risk. Here's a money order for 100,000. Let's make the deal. Hold on. I have no real choice. He saw. Brenda, wait a second. Keith, should he just let her do it? I mean, boy, it's it's dicey. I mean, the the consequences if they get caught are real bad. Hmm. This right here is a crime. Not as bad as vehicular homicide. Everything that happened, happened in a state of panic or shock. A man ran in front of your car. You put him in your car to take him to the hospital. Then, when you realized he was dead, you panicked and drove him home. This here, extortion, buying silence from a witness, it's reflective with more criminal intent. What if he tells? My feeling is he won't. I checked probation. The guy's got two B&E convictions, a drug history, and some weapons charges. It's likely he's the shooter. He was probably chasing the victim when he ran in front of your car. I don't think he's going forward. But we can't guarantee that. Look, I don't need the money. I just can't take a chance. Please make the deal. Jimmy. You can't do that. It's illegal. She's insisting. It doesn't matter. You can't ethically execute that kind of transaction. You could be disbarred. If she wants to do it on her own, I suppose you can't stop her. There's no way I'm letting her deal with the guy alone. He's probably the shooter. Jimmy, you can't be involved in buying off a witness's Yeah, Bobby's 100% right She's buying it off. I'm just there to make sure she doesn't get hurt. What's your relationship with her? I told you. So hire security guards. Jimmy, don't be involved. That's it. Well, you can't do this. 
It's illegal. If it backfires, she could go to jail and you could too. Forget about it. Bobby finally making some sense for the first time in a long time. What's going on? Do you have feelings for this woman? Duh. I might love her. Yes, Bobby! Love Chief her. hypocrite of hypocrite you town. You haven't seen her in 20 years. It evidently didn't go away. Look, you have to think of her as a client. And only a client. I can't do that, Bobby. So recuse Men yourself! Like don't and deal with your little Bataluco however you want to. Not in high school. Not now. Does she have feelings for you too? I don't know. She might. I know I'm not thinking straight. But she seems more important than my career right now. More Jimmy, important dude. than anything. Okay. The fact that you're saying that makes it easier to realize you're not thinking straight. So I want you to trust me now. Uh, that's that's a tough pill to swallow too, Bobby, but uh, proceed. And rely on my judgment, okay? You cannot How about like Eleanor's judgment? Talk to Rebecca E. Cricket. That's why she's there. Okay. Okay. Go see what's up with Kittleson, Jimmy. You, you're you're in trouble here. You didn't say you'd be taking over the entire office. The files just got delivered here. I'll it, have most of them It feels a little half baked, right, Keith? Like, I get the the central like the central conflict is that Jimmy kind of has a crush on this lady, and she's right. clearly not telling the truth. But we're not. We don't get any sort of backstory as to like what really happened. Yeah, the guy saw her hit him, but we don't know what really happened. It's almost as if it doesn't matter. Like we're focusing just on the Jimmy drama, which seems like. We're sort of but, beneath what we can be. And, but I don't mind them focusing on the Jimmy drama if we've set it up. Like we've said all season long. Like, if we'd had spent a couple of episodes sort of outlining that Jimmy's feeling lonely, Jimmy's feeling isolated, Jimmy's feeling whatever, then I can... It, it makes more sense to me that he's going so far out on a limb other than just like, Gazuba boobies! And now, like, Jimmy can't think straight. What musical is that referencing? What I'm thinking, Jimmy's making some jackets. Oh, it's Gypsy. It gave me a Gypsy yeah. vibe in honor of our boy uh, who did the lyrics only, but uh, some of his finest work. The day. Claire, suing a town for having a soccer program? I've got the medicals to back it up. It's called second impact syndrome. There's also a Norwegian study documenting that soccer players have more tension problems. I think I've got enough to survive summary judgment. And if I do that... I really believe that I can settle. Okay. Thank it's you. like doing concussions is ahead of its time. It's just the wrong sport. Not your lawyer. Why do you keep saying that? Because I can't let my firm incur any liability. Okay. Look, if you prefer, I do this myself. Not a chance. I'm not letting you be alone with this guy. Hands. Touching hands, reaching out, right touching me, touching, touching you. you. 
Keith, you know, we did, uh, of all of the things we've gotten YouTube strikes for, the one thing we did not get a YouTube strike for was that one mm. episode where you played that that patriotic song basically the whole episode. No, no they're like, nah. No, no nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be associated with that. Not strikes. Demonetization. Like eagle. Lovely day, isn't it? Let's What's go. Up, druggie? Keith, you can tell he's a druggie because they're making him shake a lot. Yeah. Have a seat, Mr. Smoltz. A.K.A. man suffering from drug addiction. I have two things. A money order in the amount of $100,000. This is good. And here's a confession you must sign in order to get that money. A confession? I'm not stupid, Mr. Smoltz. Somebody shot Gerald Hanks in the back. You just happened to be there that night. I'll bet you just happened to be a former business partner of Gerald Hanks. First, you're out of your mind. Second, you're totally out of your mind if you think I'm signing this. Look, we got no guarantee you won't be back next week demanding another hundred grand. Yes, there's also. We this. need to have something on you. You sign this confession, I keep it sealed in my office safe. You never bother us again, it stays there. If you do. Suppose there's an office fire. Suppose somebody breaks into that safe. I'm not signing nothing. Then you don't get the money. Jimmy playing hardball. You don't want to say that, Mr. Baluti. Sign the confession, you get the money. What about this? You give me the money? You two live. Police, Freeze! police! Down, down the, the ground! Drop, drop the gun! Drop the gun! Drop the gun! Down the ground! Hey, Roots are the rescue! Oh, Roots up there! Do it now! And they're arresting all three of them. Get him up. Yeah. Let's go. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to return. Okay, let him go. What's going on? What's going on is Mr. Berluti just saved your pretty face. We've agreed to give you immunity for your DUI and possible vehicular manslaughter. Wow. In exchange Jim. for the shooter. What? You better hope that gun matches, because if we can't get him, we'll be back. Well, he kind of set her up, but to help her, potentially. He took a big swing. You know, he's twenty thousand. All in. The offer was ten, Mister Wright. Ten per cup, and we can all go home. Fifteen, and I get to talk to your client. Why? Because I want to. Fifteen. Confidential, and I talk to her now. Okay. I don't think it's acceptable for you to speak to her alone outside. She of won't be alone. Miss Stringer will be here. Why can't I be there? Because I find you to be an annoying distraction. Yes. It's okay. Still have no clue what this case is, what this story is about. Henry. Zero. Surprisingly, my client had a lot of nice things to say about you, Paula. My suspicion is you weren't the least bit upset about this. Probably had a good laugh. Then you got the idea that this was a lottery ticket. Henry Winslow has been extremely good to you. He's a good person. You're 26 years old. The kind of person you will be has yet to be determined. 
But how you behaved here, it wasn't in keeping with being a good person. Ooh. Now, you might skip out of here thinking, wow, I just made $15,000 and I wasn't even injured. But Paula, if this settlement in any way causes you to think that what you did here was acceptable, then you've been injured indeed. That's all. Wait, so hold on. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the shoe to drop. <laughs> so all the times that we have done some funky business to get a settlement or this, that, or the other thing, had we been brought into chambers, right, by another attorney to just kind of mansplain us that we're bad people, that wouldn't sit well. This this is some bullshit by Eugene, actually. I mean, I, well, I agree with him, like, you know, on the letter of the on the page, but like, who the fuck are you to tell this bitch what? Well, but uh, I I also do? don't agree with them. I I don't think that's aged well at all because it's like very mansplaining. Well, it's uh, b beyond the mansplaining part. It is sexual harassment, even if he didn't intend it to be. And and I I think we've set up here like he didn't intend it to be like I'm going to do this weird sexual power play by stealing your underwear, but like that's. Like in in 2021 lens, that is wildly, profoundly inappropriate, and like it's Weinsteiny, actually, and 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 her sticking up for herself and saying, you know what, no, don't fucking steal my underwear and put it on yourself. Like she is a hundred percent right to be suing him here. Fuck you. Um, let me uh just as a quick context. Here's where our lens is today. Uh, I have a colleague who was doing a production of a show recently within the last six months. And part of the kind of whole gig here, guys, is that like you are provided by a theater or by the producers uh, fresh undergarments for every performance. Why they're, either they're washed or they're new or whatever, but you're provided right. undergarments. It's part of the whole thing, right? I know that sounds like a no-brainer, no, no but you'd be shocked. And in fact, in this production... Um, there, they were running into performances, and there was no uh, un uh, undergarments provided. And so my colleague brought up to stage management and then to the production staff that, hey, you guys forgot our undies, right, basically. Um, and it was a whole back and forth. It became a thing. Like, it became a thing that, like, how dare you? And this hey, had just gotten union status, and so he had to go, he had to ask the union to, like, basically speak on his behalf to get freaking underwear, okay? Right. So... Eventually, they got the underwear, right? Everything got resolved. And one of the production staff, as a, just as a joke, right, to, like, make light of it, um, put Superman, bought a pack of little boys, Superman undies, and left it in his dressing room and was like, here are your underwear, right? As a joke. But here's the thing. That's no longer a joke, right? That's fucked right. up. That's weird and kind of, and he has now, he's, there's, there's uh, stuff taking place. There is this, the, the, my point is that even in that quote unquote joke of a circumstance, it's not a joke. And so now it's HR and it's the whole thing. So even that minor thing is pales in comparison to this. So as Keith is saying, right. like this has not, that was a terrible, no, I and apologize it, you know, for wasting your time. But, and, and is, you know, and is it the same thing as like actual sexual assault? Of course not. But it, does that make it okay? No, it does not. It definitely doesn't warrant this like dressing down, She's getting the money no, anyway. She, 
Well, she, but she didn't do anything wrong. She said, hey, you know what? That's not right. You owe me compensation. And that's exactly what she should do. And how she goes about it, you know, there's lots of different ways to do that, but it's her choice what to, how to address that. Great. Don't steal Thank people's you. underwear is my point. Thanks. I think that's a fair thing to say. Keith. Ballistics match, yeah. it's officially over. You got immunity. Good. Now she's upset. What's wrong? Jimmy, I know you did the right thing. And I'm grateful for how things worked out, but going behind my back. Oh, God, you. To the police. You, Jesus, I didn't lady. didn't want you knowing anything. I didn't want to be hanging this on your poker skills with that guy. That's not my point. What is now your Now Jimmy's going to get an unwarranted you took a big dressing risk down. With my life. What if ballistics didn't match? I could be going to jail right now. Look, making deals with guys like Herrick Smoltz never turns out good. Once you go down that path... Again, not the point. Yeah, I think you've missed you the point, You went behind my lady? back. It was dishonest. I guess her point, Keith, is that this is nothing... To, this is not a good foundation to build a relationship on. But, uh, lying about a murder twice and going to the, some guy that you know sort of has feelings for you to manipulate him into protecting you, that was a good start to relationship. Yeah, no, no, that, that's a great way to go about it. Yeah, she seems great. Dishonest. Friend zone was best thing ever happened. I don't to think me. I'm wearing the dishonesty badge here, Brenda. You lied to the police, which I think can be explained by panic. But as I said, this here, this deal, it was criminal. It was fraud. And it put my character into play. You mean like the fraud? And let me tell you something. And money laundering if that my got you your job? Does it matter to you? <laughs> then I don't matter to you. Fine. Season seven, what? episode Fine. thirteen. What? Like I said, I know you did the right thing. But? But I could have gone to jail. I could have been shot by that guy. But as long as your conscience stayed protected, then hey. I guess Jimmy's not getting a girlfriend. I think uh, Jimmy's going to. Uh, I think. Butaluka Loa alone. Did you okay. say Bataluk go it alone? Yeah. Or something or like that. that. Bataluk yeah, alone. That's what you should have said. That's what I should have said. <laughs> but you know but what? I almost took credit for it. But I realized like it's on recording. <laughs> if the audio of the episode has been terrible, guys, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what's up. But if Windows you, 11. Now she's crying. But I'm, I, 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 I'm confused. Yeah. You got a second? Sure. I hope Jamie dresses him down. That's the only thing that can maybe save this for us. You told me you put me on that what case to learn. And I asked what it was I was supposed to be learning. Well, I just wanted you to know I did learn. And uh, people bemoan the death of dignity in our profession. I just wish more of them could see you at work. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus she gives Christ. him the good old pat on the back. <laughs> Oh, the cobwebs are showing on this one, buddy. Oh, yikes! Now Bobby's back. You did betray her, Jimmy. In your mind, it was for her own good, but... Bobby's rebecca Jimmy? So... Backwards. 
How did you leave it? I just left. It's not going to work for us. It's too soon to say that. But even if this doesn't work, maybe it's for the best. There's always Kittleson. Bobby, I know this sounds stupid, but I loved her so much back Wait, in what? high school. Oh, high school. Probably hmm. an unhealthy worship kind of thing. But it all just came back. You're not who you were in high school. I know this. Except I'm 42 years old. Wait, what? And I'm lonely. He's our age? He's our age. And men like me, we don't get women like her. Jimmy, there are many, many women for you. And one day, yeah, I know. Come on, let's go get a beer. I think I'm gonna sit for a minute. You sure? Yeah, I'm just gonna sit and I'm fine. You sure? You see a man about a thing. I'm fine. I'll see him. By the way, did you uh, yep. pay our AOL bill? Because uh, I need the internet. What is this Planet Earth 2 scoring? No, it's very fancy. Okay, folks, we did it. Now it is time to hop back to the YouTube if you want to see our, you know, smiling faces while we do the fastest oopsies ever. What was that noise you just made? <laughs> and we are Bubba Bang Baby. <laughs> oh, well, well, okay. It is time for Mike to make some more strange, unnatural noises in a segment we call... Mm. Two, three, four. Mike, Mike has, has 30, 30 seconds, seconds to, remember to remember what just happened, happened on, the on the show. show. Segment, segment. Y'all, I don't even really know. Uh, Jimmy's got this old, like, not girlfriend, but maybe new girlfriend who, like, kills some guy and lies about it, and then some, like, stuff happens, and then all of a sudden she's in a sting, but then she's mad because Jimmy got her out of jail. Eugene, uh, some guy wore a brawl and, like, and then he was like mad at the girl because she was like he shouldn't have wore my bra, but he gave her money anyways. And then like some girl wants to work for Lindsay because she throws up all the time and something like that. <laughs> I feel that is the that recap was terrible, but it was the recap this episode deserves. Now do it again, but faster. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> Not at all. I, oh, okay. But I we're knew when to a, cough. We're making a lot of assumptions. <laughs> Three cases to judge. A lie, a bra, a puker. The friend ah! zone the friend zone of tires. Wow. That was so much better than this episode deserves. But uh, you know what? We all deserve. Here it is. Oh. 
Oh god, I forgot about that. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association. Perfect. Perfect. You know, so proudly present. You know, while that's happening, the oopsie. I hit the right cue. Now there's a cacophony of noises in your ears, and you just threw your phone into the street. Not to mention. This is where we rate the episode and stuff. Bad audio now, on this episode or the Keep worst audio? The worst. What the hell are the oopsies? <sighs> well, Jackie, the... Uh, <laughs> we assume... <laughs> we assume it's a fake award show that begins with... I legitimately have no idea. I'm going to say Jimmy mm-hmm. because cl- somehow, despite her being angry with him, he was able to n- to turn the page on multiple infractions of ethics, the law, mm-hmm. uh, pure dignity, and, and uh, I- I- integrity. All of those things. Somehow brushed away by a weird deal sting thing that he did against some random guy who Jimmy just assumed was a murderer. A lot of, uh, I mean, I don't know if that was good lawyering as much as just like sheer gambling with uh, someone else's money slash life. So, Jimmy? Uh, yes, I agree with you. And I think this is just the answer to the riddle how do you get someone off without getting them off? Oh, the blue balls of oopsies. There it is. Congratulations, Jimmy. I, your, M, V, L. Get up next, uh, Mike. Are you ready? Because we have a hard out. Triple time. Ready? Oh, shoot. Okay. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a page. Oh, I'm hurting First myself. entry on your IMDb. Way to go. Oh. you Guest actor, you are the best. Guest actor, you are the best. Guest actor on the episode. Oh god, I'm exhausted. Our hands in that segment, also mm-hmm. our impression of Jimmy after the episode. <laughs> um, oh man, we're putting this on the internet. Can't wait. Oh, we sure are. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you know what's difficult as an actress, as an actor, is playing a character that is written the way this character uh, was written, uh, because her, they don't explicitly say that she's like uh, manipulating Jimmy, and then they also ask her to sort of also play the subtext that maybe she does kind of like him. Mm-hmm. So the ending is a little muddy in that is she, is this like, her? is her disgust with him really because she is upset that he got her out of this jam and lied to her? Or is it just that she wasn't interested all along and she's looking for an out? Like, it's all so muddy and nothing is clear and that can be very difficult as an actor. And I think that she pulls it off pretty well. I mean, the stakes are somewhat clear an episode that is pretty middling all the way through and and really nothing 
is great about it. I thought she did uh-huh. the best she could, and and sometimes the best you can is uh, worthy of an oopsie. Yeah. So Rosanna Arquette is what yes. is was yes. uh, the words you're looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I I mean it's she did, she gave a a perfectly good performance in a soap opera because mm-hmm. that's sort of what was written here for her. Um, and it's it's tough. She wasn't really given good material. Let's just be honest about it. Um, yeah. and uh, she did fine. I mean, you know, it's like, it's it's such a good, it feels like a like hmm. a devastatingly mean thing to say, but I don't mean it that way. Um, she she executed what was put in front of her, and uh, sometimes that gets you an oopsie. So congratulations, Rosanna Arquette, for your best guest actor oopsie. All right, coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. So, very in a similar vein, like this wasn't a great written episode for for Michael Bataluco either, and they once again kind of trap him with sort of boneheaded. Uh, inspiration or motivation but I think once again he was able to find some colors and nuance in the you know we all have been you know this is this does ring true you know sometimes you run into old people or an old flame and you don't feel those feels but you feel the 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 memories of them yeah and and it's sort of like phantom arm syndrome for like a a, Mm -hmm. an amputee or something and and that can be really confusing, and it can mm. cause you to do some stupid things. Um, and I think Michael Bataluco shows that here. I mean, that Jimmy's sort of the empathy for Jimmy, and this circle he runs in, especially that scene at the end with Bobby, which is a retread. Look, we've seen Cameron play that scene before in a different way, whereas she has more of an anger, and he has more of like a "woe is me" type of. So it's a little. It is different. And it is interesting to see a man kind of having that exchange in television, and I think there is some value to that. But regardless to the value, uh, I think Michael Bladuluco plays it straight. Um, and once again, like you said, the writing wasn't great this episode. Uh, pretty poor, in fact. And I thought he did a, a, a pretty decent job. So I think Michael Bladuluco gets the oopsie. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's definitely Michael. And I think that... Um... You know, what he's playing there, and I think you described it really well, where you are, especially you run across that that girl or that boy or that whomever that you, like, had that relationship with in high school. Because most, most people do, especially people like us, uh, definitely have that. And when confronted with that person again after all these years, like, I think there's an emotional regression where you're thrown back into those feelings, but you're also, like tied up in that like maturity level and it feels like this weird magical thing and it you know it, i've had people like that in my life who i've then subsequently rebuilt a relationship with and it takes a while to sort of like ground yourself in today and now mm-hmm. and the and the person you are now and the person they are and the and the this this what's happening now and i think that that is um i get it I totally get it from from where uh, Jimmy's coming from. So uh, anyway, you get an oopsie, Michael. Congratulations, Michael Bataluco, for your oopsie. 
Coming up next. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. This week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to Tom Brady breaking up with Jimmy Berludi whilst limboing under a shark. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, you set the rules, buddy, and uh, unfortunately, they involve a shark. Uh, I, I did. I did. Yes, I, it was going to be so easy. And then the limboing under a shark part. Thanks so much How for about that. with a shark suspended above them? Make it no, easy. no, no. Like mistletoe. No, no, no. Yeah, just, you can't take it back. <laughs> but you should remember shark's toe for later, because that's funny. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I have a heart out, but I have enough time. We could go into depth, but uh, this is one of those episodes where I'm not going to go into depth. Uh, it left me feeling a way, and that way is fairly ambivalent. Um, I just feel like it. I, I'm hard pressed to tell you what any of it was really about. The A case, uh, it wasn't really about the case in any way. In fact, once again, the details are sort of just like the details of what actually happened are muddy. The best I can surmise is she was driving, admittedly drunk, or half drunk, as she said, which is drunk enough. Some man who was had a, a drug deal gone bad, apparently, shot another guy who then ran out into the street who had been shot. She hits him with his car, so we don't know which one killed him particularly at this, really. Then decided, because she didn't want to get arrested, to put the dead body into her car, drive mm -hmm. it into her garage, fake yep. that he had been a home invader, Mm -hmm. Then her, but but something her gun. The whole thing is batshit, right? Yeah, does not How did hold her up. Gun get involved. I guess she put her gun there to make it look like he, he brought the in gun in. It's it's like it's they absurd. wouldn't check that it was her gun. Jesus Christ! It's absurd. And then yeah. the way they like magic it away is by like Jimmy some weird extortion attempt, and then Jimmy like Helen all of a sudden who won't make won't help them out in any way agrees to some deal. You know what I mean? Like that's that would never happen. The whole thing is stupid, and not just stupid. It was clearly just like, nah, that doesn't matter. That's not what this is about. This is about Jimmy's feeling a little way because this girl doesn't used to. He used to like his his buddy's his sister, which, like we said in the oopsies, like kudos to the actors for like trying to give it some teeth, but it's not great. And that's the A case. The B case at best is didn't age well. At best, at worst. It's, it's, it's dumb. It, it doesn't, it, it didn't have to be about, uh, they made this thing about it, this quote unquote transvestite and this man feeling embarrassed and the, he should feel so embarrassed. Yes, the, the stealing of the property stuff, fine. But they blur that by making it some like outrageous thing that really isn't that outrageous, but they sort of sensationalize that, which is t distasteful and also, this woman was, uh, let's use the word victimized, I guess. Uh, I, I feel like it does fit. Yeah. I mean, she her, she had her undergarments taken, stolen, and yeah. then revealed to her. By her boss. Yes, by her boss. So yeah. that, I feel like, at least checks a couple boxes of, yeah, she's got a, she's got a bone to pick. Um, and then they dress her down. They have Eugene do it. And then on top of that, they use the quote-unquote, they've already admitted, token female to pat him on the back about it. Yeah. And that's the end of it. And then the C case, because there's a C case, I don't even know. Did it have an ending? Uh, Lindsay, no. did Lindsay hire her? 
Yeah, Lin- well, Lindsay agreed to let her work the there for weeks? a couple of weeks. Yeah. And that, I hope we see that next week because I, I don't even understand why. I think they they recognized at some point that like we, the A and B case suck. So we got to like, I don't know, man. All in all, as I said, the friend zone of tires. I'm gonna. I like the show. Like we had a good relate. We have a good relationship. So I'm not gonna totally uh, dump mm-hmm. it. But we're going friend zone. I'm giving it a middling six point six seven spare tires. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All. All. All to yes to everything you just said there. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, the you know the story about the friend. I feel like I've been saying this a lot, right? There's a story there. You can tell that story, right? You're the girl you were in love with in high school, who you're still kind of in love with, gets herself in trouble, and and how do you you know? And like, what are you willing to do to like help this woman, like to try to get her friends in because you're lonely? Okay, great, fine. But this is a shitty version of that. It's a very, you know, poorly well thought out poorly thought out and and just not executed well and that you know the hokey flashbacks and the and the soap opera writing and it just wasn't good i mean it it wasn't like offensive it just wasn't good um and it just wasn't you know it was it was rushed it was hokey um and just like not well thought out at all um you know, okay, so we get to the the thing about the bra. I mean, I find looking back on this in 2021, I I find the point of view of the show here wrong-headed and kind of offensive um personally. And and I think uh the point of view of the show like this woman not only has no standing to be upset with that type of a violation. She gets she's uh, she's a bad person for pursuing it in in a in in a legal path. So she is not just like you have nothing to stand on here. You're a bad person for pursuing this legally, and I find that wrong and offensive. And and frankly, to have the um like you said to the final beat of this. To have the female colleague come in and give an attaboy for dressing this victim down uh, was just gross. And and I think adding that extra beat to it, adding that extra exclamation point, the extra sauce there, that makes it feel like David E. Kelly's got some axe to grind here. Like this is like a personal point. Mm. It feels like uh, the lady of... Or the the gentleman doth protest a little too much about this particular thing. I don't know. That, I have no reason to make that inference, but it just was gross. I thought it was gross, frankly. Um, the C case. All right, we're introducing somebody. Uh, fine, but also, why does every person who comes in have to have some weird quirkiness? She pukes on lawyers. That's very McBeal, right? That's a very Ally McBeal. It's Allie so McBeal. It's yeah. very Ally McBeal and very just like ridiculous. That's not the world the show takes place in. That's so stupid. It's stupid. All right, so you have one that's just sort of lazy, one that's offensive, and one that's just stupid. Uh, 
I don't know why. I I I, I got angrier about this episode the second time I saw it. So you know what? Eh, fuck you. 4.7. Yeah. That's what you get. Boom. All right. 4.7. That's like what happens. All right. So we only all the last thing we have to do is we have to address a little Easter egg before oh, we yeah. play the bumper and Mike can get to his meeting. Hold on. Where are we going? We got. Let me get out of here. Where is my two shot? Why is that on? You can do this. I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. Keep stay with me. Stay with me. I totally believe in off. you. This I'm is going this in. Is gonna I happen. found it. It's gonna happen. Um, what we got? But used to be M Memorial Sloan Kettering, but now it's Gray Sloan Memorial Hospital. Is this uh, a reference to Gray's Anatomy because it's soap opera-y? Uh, oh, yes and no. Uh, it is a reference to Gray's Anatomy. And uh, spoiler alert... The the their hospital they work at gets renamed the Gray Sloan Memorial Hospital after the character played by Kyler Lee dies in a plane crash. Oh, and guess who's also a major character on that show? None other than Jessica Capsha or Jamie Stringer. So the two of them did a zillion episodes of Gray's Anatomy together so there is your easter egg we have a gray's anatomy pre-union on this episode well folks if uh you would like to have a post-union with this episode and tell us wow that wasn't good you can reach <laughs> out either the show or us you can contact us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Facebooks and the Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're at it, judge us. Please judge us. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Uh, let us know. We will happily, gratefully welcome you to the jury and read your review, good, bad, or ugly. You know who's good, not bad, or ugly? Our amazing founding sponsors, who we've heard from today a lot, from Jorge Novoa, Club Number 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Hari Koo. Did you know you can get your name on that list by giving us a donation, a one-time donation or a monthly contribution? Not only does it get your name on that list, but it allows you to write segments for the show, email That's them true. to us, and we Whatever will even want. vet them. We'll just read them directly on air live. That is 100% true. Think of the things you could get me to say. Those links are in our show notes. Go ahead and give us some cash. Hey, guys, are you reaching into the fridge in order to get some of those leftovers from Thanksgiving? You're, you're going to need to warm up. You don't need a microwave. You just need some laser sounds. Laser sounds. Hard out, baby. <laughs>